welcome to the Virtually Done podcast. My name is Gemma and I'm the founder of Virtually Done. The Virtually Done podcast is created as a space to start important conversations that are often overlooked and speak to women in business with amazing stories and even better advice. It makes me so happy that you're here listening and I would absolutely love for you to tag me on social media at Virtually Done and let me know what you think. My hope is that you're able to take something away from every single episode that you can action into your business and that you're able to gain an insight into the behind the scenes of what running a business is really like. So let's dive in. I met a boy on Tinder, by the way, um, who is now my husband. So it worked out, everyone. So yeah, it was a very risky, irresponsible move, really, to just burn my life down um, in the UK and go like, let's go to Canada and live there where I know no one and have no job prospects. Um, but yeah, I, I, reality hit when I got to Toronto. Um, I very quickly sort of had the crushing realization that I needed to earn some money. I had no network. I had no real idea what I wanted to do. I couldn't even really get my bearings in the city. Like Toronto's huge. And it's just like this. I love it. And it is also a sprawling expanse of concrete gridage. Very, very different to the way that towns and cities are built in the UK. And I just felt so overwhelmed. And one day I'd like gone for a little walk locally and I saw this advert on the side of a bus stop for an app called Buns, B-U-N-Z. And basically it's like Facebook Marketplace. So, but instead of money exchanging hands, you trade items. So I was like, oh yeah, like that, that'd be good excuse to meet up with some people because I know nobody. And I didn't, you, you know, I, I didn't really have lots of savings saved up. Um, so I didn't have you know, I couldn't just go and join a nice gym and go to the coffee shop every day and meet people that way. I was needing to be quite thrifty. Um, but of course, I didn't have anything to trade because I just moved to Toronto with a suitcase and a backpack. So I um, I started baking cakes. I bought some cake baking equipment and I started baking cakes so that I had something to trade on the app. And within like three or four weeks, I'd gone viral on the app. I had a month waiting list for cakes. And twice a day, I was hopping on, you know, my little Metro card. And I was going off and swapping a cake for a plant or a shelf or a set of glasses or a cushion or whatever else we needed in our apartment. Um, and it was brilliant. It got me out and about. I built confidence. I got to know the city. I started like building that encyclopedic knowledge of where everything is, where the supermarket is, where that metro station is, where that tram goes to. And, you know, obviously people were curious when they met me, this lanky British girl with a shaved head at the time holding a cake. Um, why are you here? What are you looking for? Did you just move here? And I was able to strike up conversations with people and ask some questions like, oh, hey, like I'm looking to get into some freelancing gigs. Can you like, where should I start? Where should I go? Who do I need to meet? What events do I need to go to? And there was one point where someone told me about a co-working space and I had never heard of a co-working space and later that evening I had signed up for free trials at eight different co-working spaces over the course of the next two weeks and I was like right I'm gonna figure out co-working spaces let's meet people and 
I ended up at this brilliant co-working space called Make Lemonade, which has now gone online since the pandemic in downtown Toronto. And I met so many friends there, so many clients there. And it just really finding that space was what allowed me to start my business. When you did that, did people say to you, um, Katie, what are you doing? Uh, yes, they did. <laughs> they they did say that to me. Um, but I just kind of went with this attitude of, well, it doesn't work out. If it doesn't work out, then I'll come home. Yeah. Are you someone who takes a lot of risks? I would I would say so, yeah. I But I don't even feel like, I feel like maybe I have a higher risk tolerance than most people and so what I perceive as you know not as just a fun experiment might be considered really risky by someone else but I just think like worst case scenario I will have learned something I will have figured out something that either works for me or doesn't work for me or that I like or I don't like and there aren't that many decisions that you can't hit undo on you know or recalibrate from um so so yeah I thought worst case scenario I'll move back um but we are a week away from our fourth wedding anniversary so it worked out so do you think that having that kind of like higher risk tolerance and being okay with doing things and thinking well if it doesn't work out it's okay because I can always go backwards or I've learned something do you think that's been beneficial in growing your business oh definitely I think there's this um you know I think for I think for a lot of people, they think that they can avoid getting things wrong. And if you avoid making mistakes or figuring out what doesn't work or getting things wrong, you will avoid taking any action whatsoever. And if you avoid taking any action, then guess what? Nothing's going to happen. You're still going to be sat there with an idea, with many, many Canva templates open that you have faffed around with for hours. But you you've got to put something out there and get feedback from the people who it's for and the amount of like the amount of stuff that I've put out that is totally bombed um before I got my first before I got my first three like one-on-one high ticket clients which all came in January of 2019 because I've been doing freelance copywriting before then and it very organically evolved into sales consulting and sales training and then I decided to skill up and get a coaching certification so that I could sort of manage all of those feels and jitters that come up around sales and before I got my first three clients I did 154 sales calls that did not convert like but you know you there you go I, I was able to do those 154 sales calls in like a three and a half month period and don't get me wrong Gemma it was a crushing period it was it, it was not it was not the most fun of times but I'm so glad that I was able to learn to deal with that rejection and it was like a crash course in how how not to do a sales call and so it made me so much better at doing like at doing them and now it's one of the things I help people with do you know what I mean and I think this idea that you can avoid getting it wrong that you can avoid and know that you can avoid making a mistake that you can avoid you know that every piece of content that you create is going to be a smash hit and it's going to be a viral sensation and that every offer you put out is going to have a cue out the door 
don't work like that. Like that is the whole point of entrepreneurship. You're like, a, a, you know, it's an experiment. You're figuring out what the market has an appetite for. And then it's just constant testing, 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 seeing what lands, seeing what doesn't. And I think we have to take ourselves as people out of that equation and remember it's about, right, which sales and marketing assets do people find interesting and motivating? Um, not, am I good? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really struggled with this in the earlier days. And I really tied like my, I guess, goodness to the success of the things I put out. And now I'm at the point where I put something out and if everyone hates it, I'm like, okay, well, at least I know that's not the thing. And I just move on now. And I think that kind of detachment, like you said, from with you and your offers being separate is so much easier said than done. But if you can nail that, it just makes failing so much easier, I think. And there's, I know there's all of those like cheesy things that get said about, oh, Thomas Edison found a hundred ways that the light bulb didn't work. And, you know, all of the, all of those nappings, but it is, is so true. Um, and while some people might say like, oh, you know, you take too many risks. I feel like it's just shortening the feedback loop is one of the best things that you can do because speed and momentum are your friend when it comes to hashing out ideas and getting new products and services into the marketplace. A hundred percent. One of the things I love about your story of baking the cakes and meeting the people and then getting the clients that way is that it's a really good example of how you sometimes just have to work with what you've got and be really savvy and just speak to anyone and everyone because you never know who knows somebody else. Something that I get a lot is this question of how do I sign clients? How do I get clients like right now? And I would love to know whether you've experienced frustration with this, knowing that people want that kind of overnight client base when you put so much work into building yours. Yes, I do find it very annoying and frustrating. Um, and at the same time, I don't put that blame at the like solely at the foot of the people who are who are you know coming with that expectation of okay, I've just started my business. Where's my ten k month? Um, because unrealistic expectations are being set, especially in like online services industries, left, right, and center. I feel like the line between business owner and influencer and celebrity has become very weirdly meshed over the past couple of years especially but you know the the idea that you would just have an idea and before you've taken any action you would be entitled to a certain level of success is like it's completely it's bonkers isn't it doesn't make any sense um, but that expectation is being set by people as like a marketing story, because I mean, think of like every Disney princess movie that you watch growing up, right? Everyone loves the rags to riches story. They love the serendipity. Oh, I'm just going to meet someone and they're going to change my life. And I think a lot of um, especially coaches try to put themselves in that fairy godmother um you know oh being magic one scenario in their marketing materials but it doesn't it doesn't work like that the reason being that the clients that you need to enroll they are like fully rounded out multi-dimensional people who have real problems to solve and who quite rightly 
should be a little bit cautious about what they're spending their money on. So I don't know, it's like, you know, if you need a reality check, if you're starting a business, go and watch a few episodes of Dragon's Den and you will very quickly be reminded that it is very, very normal for a business to make a loss before it starts to generate a profit. You know, when they read out the numbers, the, you know, the dragons don't bat an eyelid if they didn't make a profit for the first couple of years. So long as they are making sales and they have a list now and they have, you know, a letter of intent from Marks and Spencers or whatever it is that they need to move forward. Um, But the idea that you're going to be ultra profitable, ultra high revenue from day one, unless you've got lots of funding that you can funnel into very, very quickly building a customer base, or you have a pre-existing network and database of proven buyers from another business that will translate to this business, then um, that that hope for overnight success, I'm really, really sorry. It ain't gonna, it ain't gonna just rock up. In that kind of early stage of trying to get the clients, having the sales calls that don't work, maybe working with clients who are not so ideal, all of those lessons and all of those kind of failures, if you like, are what then lead you to that offer that you really want to have, those clients that you really want to work with. And actually, if on day one, you just had 10 people come through the door who paid you without having to really do anything for that, you would skip all of the lessons as well and all of those things that you get from that. So you went from freelancing with all these different people and now you run Squirm Free Sales School. At what point did you decide sales is my thing? Um, well, it, it happened very organically, really. Um, and I think other people decided it had happened before I did, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. to, just sort of for, for context, pre-business and pre-upending my life to move to Toronto, my um, roles as an employee were always within uh, small businesses, independently owned, normally found a run. Um, and I would be the catch-all sales and marketing, social media, like bit of training, tech, troubleshooting person. And I'd be in a small team with lots of fingers and lots of pies. And I always loved those roles. And it's because they were sort of entrepreneurial, you know, I could kind of figure out my own role. Um, And so when I started freelance copywriting, it's because it seemed to be the thing that people most needed help with. It was most in demand. And I had a skill set there. So I was like, okay, perfect. And then what would happen was I would hand over this copy and be like, okay, so, you know, I've chosen this because I've chosen this because here's your call to action. You could repurpose this part as an email. You can, you know, make sure you link this from your homepage. And, you know, if people have questions about this in the follow-up, make sure you add them to the FAQ section. And I would be educating them on how to actually use the copy And so naturally people will come to me with questions afterwards. Okay, so we put this on the website and we've had a few inquiries, but people are worried about X. And I was like, oh yeah, well, here's how you would handle that objection. Like very naively just being like, here's how to do that. And oh, we're getting loads of calls, but the calls aren't converting. Do you have any ideas? Oh yes, well, something we can make sure we do is make sure that there's a qualification process in in place. So let's add a form to your call booking. And I kind of got like, sucked into sales consulting without really realizing it was happening and then over yeah over the course of like six months I 
had a play around with some consulting packages, some, you know, one-off sessions, book an hour, book half a day sort of thing. And they went like hot cakes, went like gangbusters. And so I shaped it into a one-on-one program. I'd also been doing my coaching certification at the time and really sort of like templated it into a process, which then, you know, I found myself booked out very quickly. I'd been doing lots of events and lots and lots of networking locally. In fact, about 50% of my clients still come from Toronto, um, which is nuts. And yeah, and then that's what became Squirm Free Sales Academy now is that process that got built out very organically based on, yeah, co-creating it with, with my clients. And, you know, in... 29 yeah 2019 in the summer I hosted an event in Toronto called copywriting that sells without making you squirm and that was a really pivotal moment for me I had 120 people pay to attend come to the room I made 10k or like 12k I think in the room that night selling from the front I did enrollment from the front of the room and there was something about the topic, there was something about the framing of it, the evening as a whole, the vibe that just really resonated with people. And that was this idea of keeping it squirm free. And that's sort of where that piece came from. It came from, from this event. So it's, yeah, it, it happened organically. I didn't think of this in the shower one morning. It it came from it came from lots and lots of feedback and and yeah following what my customers were asking me for I can imagine it's a sale that doesn't feel icky right but can you talk us through a little bit more about what it looks like sure absolutely and it's great because when I say squirm free people know what I mean like instinctively and intuitively but to explain it in detail it's a bit of a catch-all term really meaning that it's free from the sales tactics that we all absolutely bloody dread yeah so it's free from excessive pressure coercion manipulation it's free from that false artificially created urgency and scarcity that we see so much in those bro marketers funnels the big yellow flashing you have seven minutes to decide if you want to spend fifteen thousand dollars on this one time offer um and squirm free in the absence of those things it really implies that there is an underlying like respect for the person who's making the purchase it prioritizes kind and inclusive language. And it also means to me having a, a consent led approach to selling. So checking in continually throughout the process and asking before moving on to that next stage. So if you meet someone at a networking event, rather than just shoving your business card in their hand, say, oh, based on what you've shared with me, I think there's something I could really help you with. Would it be okay if I took your details and and followed up with you by email tomorrow? Right. That's a really simple example. But notice how it feels very different to hear that rather than just being told, oh, oh, we should connect. Oh, we should connect on LinkedIn. Seems to be the socially acceptable one at the networking events at the moment. And it's just so assumptive. And I'm like, no, I hate LinkedIn and I don't like you and I don't want to talk to you. Right. But you feel pressured in the moment. But it's 
it's so much better for the person on the other end, but it's also great for you as the business owner as well, because I don't know about you, I don't want to waste my time and energy on someone who has absolutely no intention of connecting with me or continuing with a sales conversation or reading the um, case study that I've offered to send them or what have you. I'd much rather that we just give people a graceful opportunity to go, oh, do you know what? That sounds really interesting, but I'm actually... No, thank you. Okay, great. Brilliant. Let me claim back my time and bandwidth and I will wish you well as you go on your way, you know? Even as you talk about it, it just sounds so much more fun and easy and just stress-free. And that's how it gets to be, isn't it? And I think um, when I first heard you talking about consent with sales, I'd never heard anyone else talk about it in that way before, although, of course, it makes logical sense because why wouldn't we ask for consent? Um, And it's definitely helped me when I'm having those sales conversations to be thinking, it kind of takes that, should I talk to this person? Should I send them this out of it? Because by asking for the consent, would you like me to send you this? You no longer have to worry about that because they can say no. Just ask. (laughs) Yeah, so simple. Um, One of the other things I've heard you talk about is your... um, multiple choice follow-up question oh I don't know what you mean yeah 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 I know I know what you mean can you tell us about that yeah of course I'm I I love that I love that that is stuck with you and that you use that that's absolutely brilliant um but yeah what Gemma's referring to is that follow-up process right because you know, scram free selling isn't about like just backing off too soon or not following up and not being diligent throughout the sales process. Because part of being a salesperson and a sales representative for your business is like it's sometimes like it's a bit of a long game and you have to be diligent with the follow up. Um, your role is to equip people with all of the information they need to make their own empowered decision. And how can you do that if you disappear off a cliff? after you know you know the first time that they don't reply to you like you can't can you but that being said I do recognize that you know especially as a former tinder user as I have shared that if someone hasn't replied to you like three times there gets a point where you start to feel a little bit awkward about sending another dm or sending another email and so this multiple choice message that Gemma's talking about is something that you can keep in your back pocket to send in such circumstances. So if you haven't heard from someone for a while, if they're not responding to your follow-up, then you can send them a little message saying something like, oh, hey, you know, it's me again, um, this time with a little multiple choice. A, you know, please reply and let me know which, which is true for you, A, B or C. A, I am still interested. I'm just really busy. Thank you for being patient. Please keep bugging me. B, I'm not interested, um, but thank you for following up. Um, Or C, please leave me alone and never contact me again. Anyway, let me know which it is. Cheers. Bye. And it's just like this lovely way of bringing a little bit of lightheartedness and humor to what is like a pretty awkward situation, probably for both of you, because they might be feeling awkward too, right? Oh, gosh, I don't know how to tell this woman how to piss off. Um, and you know, you've just given them an option. Like they can just, I've never had a C by the way, I've never had someone say a C. 
I've had I've had some bees and that's great mm-hmm. because again you know where you can direct your energy and you're not gonna turn into like an irritating mosquito that you can't swat away um so yeah that's stuff a fun little tool keep it in your back pocket I love that so much I am all about making the sales process fun and kind of you know enjoyable for everybody and I think even just that email, it kind of breaks down that barrier of, oh my God, if I tell this person to go away, they're going to hate me. You're kind of giving them permission to tell them to go away. And I think that just, oh, it just lifts so much of the stress for me personally anyway. Something I do want to touch on before we move on to the Instagram related stuff, which I'm really excited to talk about, is the fact that you have this kind of one main offer, which is completely different to what I do. I am the person who cannot have one main offer because I would drive myself crazy and I have a new idea every single day. So how have you found having that one thing that you're always talking about? Mm. Well, so I do actually work with people in a couple of ways, but you're right. I do have one main offer, which is the Squirm Free Sales Academy. It used to be called Squirm Free Sales Masters. We've got rid of the word masters because it's a bit of a like weird word I found. Um, and yeah, so Sales Academy is like my access from anywhere online sales training. And to be honest with you, Gemma, it probably comes from my like inner lazy person who just hasn't quite got the energy or desire to launch like to do multiple multiple launches throughout the year I would much rather just take all of my products all of my courses all of my trainings all of my resources put them in one place and just you know that's it you enroll in sales academy you get access to everything and there's obviously like you know lots of support in there as well we do weekly calls a couple of times a week we do office hours we have one-to-ones I review your content it's very very high touch and I get my fingers right up in your business stuff right um but yeah I absolutely could and probably should sell all of those component parts separately but at the moment it's just not something that I have the desire to do I'm a little bit jealous I kind of wish I could be like that I kind of annoy myself because I'm like oh I could do these other 32 things and I just drive myself crazy do you ever get bored of talking about sales all the time or do you just love it so much that you could talk about it forever do I ever get bored I don't understand how you ever could get bored one because the people who come into sales academy are just amazing like amazing people tackling different challenges there's a new you know there's a new I'm so lucky I get to review people's sales conversations and you know give them timestamps and go oh here's how you could address that objection a little bit differently next time or next time make sure you frame the call more like this so that they have a clear expectation set from the beginning I get to go through people's live event recordings or help them prepare their slides and prepare their pitch and practice it ahead of time and we're really working on honing these sales skills and seeing someone go from being like too nervous to speak on you know just to speak on like our coaching call to hosting a live event and asking people to enroll on the spot and then you know having enrollments flood through I just cannot fathom a universe where I could possibly get bored of that it's 
the work is so fun. I think that that creative urge, though, I definitely do get. And I've learned to channel it in slightly different ways rather than constantly like, you know, overly tinkering or making a new thing, a new thing, a new thing um, and not finishing the new thing fully. <laughs> um, but but yeah, so it means that I, I've got a lot better, especially in the last year or so, I would say, at making sure that I make space for creativity in my personal life as well. Um, not everything creative needs to happen inside of my business. Um, I took up floristry as a hobby over the pandemic. Um, <laughs> I love that. So, yeah, no, I love it too. It's brilliant. Um, so, yeah, I took up floristry. I've been, uh, this is going to sound ridiculous, but you can see my cat snoozing. I've been teaching my cat tricks and training her to like sit and, you know, stand up and things on command. And I feel like that's a creative outlet as well. Um, I'm decorating our house at the moment. And yeah, if you're feeling like creatively stifled, yes, if you want to go and create a new offer, like, you know, if you have the information, if you're going to test it properly, if you have the energy to launch it and really put some welly behind it, then by all means, go for it. But also like challenging yourself to where your like most big and bold pair of earrings with your wackiest dress and your patent Dr. Martins and you know seeing how that feels is another way to channel your creativity as well I just think that not everything not every idea you have needs to make its way out of you as a new product in your business like save some for your real life as well yeah this is such a big thing I actually have a client who um and she is actually making a membership to encourage business owners to be creative outside of the business. And she has challenged me on this as well, because I am very good at being creative within the business. And then I'm like, I don't do anything outside of the business that's creative. So this is something that I'm also working on. Can we talk about the big thing that I've been waiting to talk to you about for like two months? <laughs> I'm so excited about it. Okay, so most people do a lot of complaining about Instagram. You actually up to left. When did you leave now? How long ago was it? Do you know what? I should know the answer to this, shouldn't I? But it's been, it's been seven hours and 15 days. No, no, no. Um, nearly three months, I think. Yeah, nearly three months. What was, what was the final straw for you? What was the moment that you were like, forget this, I'm out? Oh, I don't know. I just had enough. I just had enough. And I think there were, I, I wrote a couple of blogs about it, actually, which I put on my website at katieprince.com. But I think it was a, a real combination of things. I think for, for me, I was finding the pressure to feed the algorithm the ravenous never satiated algorithm the you know it, it's preferred content which it wouldn't tell me what it was um but it was almost definitely reels and I was like I don't have like 40 minutes to edit a flipping reel um, and I just was finding it really exhausting you know you make content it's gone in two days repeat indefinitely mm -hmm. Um, and 
I'd had a few sort of risky uh, situations. My account got restricted during my previous launch, um, which, you know, is obviously the perfect time for it to get restricted. I had friends have, you know, have their, you know, lose their accounts and whatnot. But it was most importantly, it was really affecting my mood, but also my brain function. Um, I was getting more forgetful. I was really struggling to focus. Um, I was like, honestly, like the twitch that I have. My phone is on my desk right now and it's been there since midday and it's nearly four o'clock now. And I've reached for it maybe once or twice just to tap it to see the time. But it it would be in my hands constantly. And it was like an attachment thing, like almost anxiety inducing, you know, and I think a combination, like combination of those things um, kind of had enough of paying Mark Zuckerberg to, you know, to do whatever he wants to do. Um, I just wanted the time and bandwidth back. But I think there were two other aspects that were maybe, you know, those things have been hanging out in the background for a while, you know, and I expect they're probably things that most people can relate to, but um, I think there were two things that really came into, uh, like came into view a lot clearer. One was the pressure to comment on every news item, every topic, every cause, every thing going on in the world, as well as use it as a marketing channel for my business, which is its function, or it was for me. Um, but secondly, it just wasn't that, like I ran the numbers and it just wasn't that effective for my business as it used to be. We used to get, I used to get like half of my clients through social media and the rest I would meet in person networking. And over the past, you know, over the past two years, that has been in steady decline. Um, I get so many more clients through hosting events. I do a combination of free and paid events as part of my marketing strategy and the quality of people who it attracts, the sort of readiness of people it attracts, and also just like the the vibe. People who come to live events tend to enjoy my personality and my approach to things because I like live events too. And so that had massively overtaken. And of course, like email marketing, my email list has grown significantly since I first started. And we looked at the numbers and we were getting maybe 10, 15% of our clients through social media. And yet it was this huge energetic drain and time suck. I'm going to admit something embarrassing. I had a look the other day at how much time I was spending on Instagram and it was like eight hours a day. Mm. 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 And I was like, well, some of that is talking to clients, but let's be real. It's not eight hours of talking to clients. So yeah, I need to do something about that. Have you, what have you felt like your time has gone on since coming off Instagram so all that time that you've saved like where has that gone instead have you been doing more in-person stuff like what have, or have you just like chilled have you been at home relaxing well it's really funny you say like eight hours a day because you hear that and you're like how like how where and I think the I don't think I've really reallocated the time onto something else other than you know that time because 
you know, there were points where I had, yeah, eight hours a day across various social media platforms. And I don't think that's our fault as well, because, you know, the the new emphasis on short form video content, whether it's Reels or whether it's TikTok, it's so addictive. It just like whoom, sucks you in and you, you know, you resurface and like an hour is gone. You're like, oh, I just, I just lie down on the sofa and just watch a couple of little TikToks and like, oh my goodness, an hour and a half has nearly passed and I'm really thirsty and I need a wee and I feel really anxious. Oh, fab. Wonderful. How relaxing that was. Um, and, and yeah, so, so that I think it's just time where I just do it like concentrating on one thing at a time because I think making dinner I would have also had social media open and like have little TikToks playing um and now I'm not I'm just making dinner and I'm maybe I've got a podcast on or um chatting to my husband or I'm on the phone to my mum or whatever it is um or I'm telling the cat to be quiet um it the time it doesn't really you won't you don't notice the time back so much this is really this is the first time I'm articulating this so thank you for being patient with me but it's not the time that I've noticed back so much it's just the bandwidth it's just the bandwidth I feel so much lighter so much happier there's so much less information going in and like fugging up my brain every day and that's the benefit that I'm noticing. My mood is lighter. I'm more focused. I can get things done more quickly. Um, I'm an early bird. So I, you know, wake up early. I'm not smug about it. I don't do the 5am club or anything like that. But, um, you know, it's just, I wake up and I normally bash out most of my important stuff before nine. And then I faff about for a few hours and do the rest of my work after lunch that's the little routine but instead of spending the whole morning just fanning around on Instagram or watching TikToks or trying to edit something and getting really annoyed or staring at my notion dashboard going oh what should I post oh I can't think of anything because I'm so full of other people's stuff I'm just you know I'm just enjoying myself I'm just going out for walks I'm making food I'm going to a yoga class I'm mooching around my new neighborhood I'm playing with the cat um it's I don't miss it at all I don't miss it at all and I think you know from from a marketing perspective I email marketing was always much more satisfying for me anyway because you always have that character limit on say an Instagram post anyway and I'm like a long form person. Um, and so I just just do that now and it's fine. I think my concern and maybe the concern of some of the people listening would be that their income is much more reliant on Instagram than yours perhaps was at the time that you left. Do yeah. you think that it's possible for everyone to take it off Instagram? Well, I think you need to know where your money's coming from and you need to know where your clients are coming from. And that goes for any marketing channel, right? Like one of the things that we do with our sales academy clients is we teach them how to monitor, like, where are your clients coming from so that we can double down on what's working and then either, you know, pair back or release altogether the things that aren't delivering results. Because if, Instagram is delivering 80% of your clients, then I'm not going to tell, like, 
you know, stay, find a way to stay on Instagram, you know, <laughs> even if that means that you only have the app installed on a phone that you only use for work. And after you've posted you, you know, maybe it sounds extreme, but maybe you just pop it in the microwave or something. So you can't see it or you put it in a drawer, <laughs> yeah, but don't turn the microwave on. Um, but, you know, put it out of sight, turn it off, do whatever it is that you need to do so that you're not, you know being sucked in um but yeah you need to be certain about where your clients are coming from because if they are all coming from tiktok and then suddenly you stop doing tiktok then you know that just doesn't make good business sense does it that's that's daft i do not recommend um so i think it starts with really monitoring over the course of say the next 90 days taking an honest look at where are my clients coming from but also do a time study. You know, I do a time study for a week or so every couple of months just so that I can get a handle on, well, where is all my time going? Because I feel very busy and there are always things that aren't getting done. So what what am I spending my time on? And it's a very, a combination of those things together is very, very eye-opening because if you're getting 20% of your clients from something that's taking up 80% of your time, then something's, something's not quite right there. It's that thing, isn't it? Of um, having a look at your stats and having a look at your numbers, the things that sometimes I think we avoid because we know it's not going to be pretty to look at, or at least I do this. I'm just calling myself out here. Um, I actually downloaded an app called rescue time, which is really good because it tracks where your time is going on your phone and your computer but like in the background so you don't have to remember to actually write down what you're doing Um, and that was really interesting because it shows like what time of day are you opening your emails where do you go after your emails how do you get distracted Um, and it was just so informative for me because it just showed me that in those moments where I was saying I've got no time I did have time it was just going on the wrong things yeah. Oh, I'm going to look that up because, yeah, I've always done it the manual way. And you do sort of, you know, you do slightly embellish, don't you? It's kind of like writing a CV. You're like, oh, yes, yeah, so I did this. I did this. And you don't write down like and then I put some YouTube videos on in the background whilst. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly why I did it, because I was like, I'm just going to lie to myself. Um, is there anything that you've done since leaving that worked better than expected or anything that you maybe tried that didn't work I actually saw that you put a poster up in a cafe did I imagine this you put a poster up in a cafe with like a barcode does that work because I was fascinated yeah so since you know since moving our social media I've just lent into a combination of other online marketing channels um because I think yeah sometimes everyone's like oh online marketing equals social media social media is just like one aspect of it right um but I've learned into other online marketing channels. Like um, I've put a lot of effort into my Google, my business profile and have lent in more to developing our SEO and optimizing the website for that. And those sort of less sexy things, but things that actually do get results um, still on the list is to get into Pinterest a lot more. Um, I go on other people's podcasts and I drive traffic to my website that way. Um, so yeah, there's lots of online marketing things, but yeah, you're right. We've also had some fun with offline marketing, um, sending people little postcards in the mail to the people who, whose addresses we have has been really fun, just as like a little word of mouth stimulant. Um, but yeah, in our local area, 
put some posters up ahead of our solopreneur strategy day which is I also host events as well as doing sales training um and yeah it was it was a great way just to sort of experiment with oh can we reach a more local audience and we did we had some new people join the email list and come to the event from the Bristol area which was great and yeah I think it's just freed up a lot of um, a lot of options and opportunities. I love to go to things like conferences and I'm a big networker. I love it. Um, but I went to the London podcast show a couple of weeks ago and just met some people, talked to them, asked them, oh, do you know anyone who is looking, you know, do you know anyone who started a business recently? Oh, great. Like, would you mind to introduce me? And I think we think that it all has to be like oh I have to make content that people can respond to you can just ask questions and have people respond to those instead and there are so many different spaces and places and routes to getting in and asking people questions you could still stay on social media but you could just stop posting um and you could just use the DM function. You could just react to people's stories and leave comments on people's reels and build relationships that way. Um, the, yeah, the like content creation side of it is, is probably the thing that I don't miss the most just because it's so labor intensive. So overall, no regrets. No regrets. No, no regrets. Um, what I will say, though, in the interest of transparency, is that there has to some extent been a bit of a, a knock on effect on the business. But that's sort of part of a bigger set of decisions and choices and circumstances, because this year as a whole and what made it easy to let go of social media and decide, like, do you know what? we're going to take a break until the end of the year, possibly indefinitely, because yeah, that's, that's the decision I made was I'm going to be off until the end of the year. Wink, wink, probs, forevs. Um, but I wanted to keep this year very open and very relaxed because last year I had some really serious health problems that required a major surgery and it did not allow for really much fun at all last year. And I didn't want that to be the case again this year, you know? So in 2022, we opened Square Free Sales Academy once in February and we aren't launching it again this year. I'm going to do like a six week option over the summer for folks who want like a little uh, summer camp, a little sales summer camp. But other than that, um, we're not going to launch it again until next year because I want a light schedule this year. I want lots of long weekends. I'm going to some festivals. Um, I want time to decorate and renovate our new house. And it was easier to let go of social media because I already knew that this year, my biggest priority wasn't to have like a big aggressive growth year financially. And that's that's okay. That's allowed. It's important to stabilize and build some consistency and take care of the other parts of your life before you go and pursue the next revenue goal. It doesn't always have to be like year on year on year, revenue explosion after explosion. Your personal life has got to take priority. And so 
I just want to sort of offer that as like a bit of additional context because I don't want anyone to be under the impression that you can just stop doing a part of your marketing that you know as I said it was delivering like maybe 20% of our clients and expect not to see like 20% drop off the bottom line you know that's Mm -hmm. you need to expect to see that and so know ahead of time what's most important to you right right now and can you can you afford that can you afford to let go of 20% of your clients and what yeah like time and money it's always the the trade-off being made isn't it yeah and I think we have like different seasons of business and of life don't we and I know there's been times in the business where I've been so focused on earning and it's all been about you know initially it was paying off the debt that I had when I first started the business and that was just everything for me initially and then it was like actually I've forgotten to have fun and now I don't care so much about the money and it's more focused on life and I think we just kind of fluctuate and things change and and I think that kind of potential dip in income as your priorities change is sometimes seen as a really bad thing to avoid and almost be ashamed of. But I actually think it just signifies that you're just in a slightly different season. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And to be honest, like, I think that, um, I think that whole style of marketing of, you know, earn, like earn multiple six figures, become a seven figure CEO. It's, to me, it's like a meme. It's just, <laughs> it's become so naff, hasn't it? And you just see it everywhere and it's become quite meaningless. But the the after effect that it's had has sort of been making people think that a 10K month, multiple six figures, seven figure CEO, like the, the levels that we are presented in the online business world. If you're not pursuing one of those, then, you know, you then you're not running, you know, then, then you're not participating properly. It's not true. You know, everyone's got complex lives with more than one interest passion priority responsibility and it's important to tend to the stuff outside of your business as well as the stuff inside it (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you like people can't see you but you are glowing right now so something about that decision and how you're running business right now is obviously working for you because you just you seem really happy and I think that's the most important isn't it yeah it is oh thank you and yeah you're right I am (laughs) I love that no I love this I love this little update where things are going so well um one final question before I let you continue with your day um I know that you've been in Rachel Rogers world as well and one of the things that she talks about is this idea of million dollar decisions I would love to know what is the next million pound decision that you're going to make in your business or life Oh, this is a good one. Yeah, the old MDD. A million dollar decision, a million pound decision. The next one that I'm going to make in my life. Um, well, it won't be a business one because the most one, the most recent one I made was the decision to leave social media and to protect my energy in that quite extreme way. Um, but my husband and I, we've recently bought our first house, which is really exciting. Um, and there is, yeah, we're in the process of saving up to do a really big renovation, including an extension and a lock conversion. So, and that's, you know, a million dollar decision to prioritize saving up for that is, is yeah, I think, 
I, I think the one that I'm going to roll with. I love that. I'm excited to see it. I mean, we we moved in five weeks ago, so I'm I'm still trying to like figure out what color the bathroom should be, uh, <laughs> but it'll come. It'll come. <laughs> I love that. I love having that like blank slate that you can do anything with. But it's also like, oh my gosh, there's so much that I could do with it. But now I have so many decisions. Very true. <laughs> one room at a time. One room at a time. Exactly. exactly. Always paint over it. <laughs> very true. Very true. Well, thank you so much for chatting today. Like, I was so excited to talk about all these things. And um, there's just been so many little takeaways. And just, it's just been so interesting, honestly, to hear about your journey and also your life off of Instagram. Because I feel like I haven't been able to follow what you're up to anymore. Um, where can people find you? How can people connect with you? How can they come and work with you? Tell us all the things. Yes. Um, yes, because as we have established, if you follow me on Instagram, I mean, you still could. I just won't follow you back or reply to your <laughs> comments or anything. Um, but yes, I, I work with people in a couple of ways through Sales Academy, which is my Access From Anywhere online sales training. As I've mentioned, it's closed. Currently, we'll open in 2023. We are going to have a little six-week summer sales camp, though, if that's something that you're looking to tune up your sales skills. I also host in-person events. So earlier this year, we held our Solopreneur Strategy Day event. We held it online this time around. And we had over 140 people attend. But this autumn in Bristol, we have our sales success live weekend taking place from September 30th to October 2nd. So this is three days of in-person sales training, very applicable. Like you'll be able to work in small groups. We're keeping we're keeping it really intimate. So we're capping the uh, capacity at 70. So it means that you'll always be with a facilitator, have lots and lots of help and support. And oh, it's just going to be the best fun. Amazing, amazing. But as we, yeah, as, as we know, I'm not on social media. So if you want to get in touch, the best thing to do is actually to go to my personal website, go to katieprince.com and sign up for my personal close friends newsletter. It's called the Sunday Slice. And I send it weekly-ish on a Sunday-ish. Um, it's completely free. And you also get some great perks. You get a free invite to my monthly online co-working session. You get some groovy tools as part of your onboarding email sequence. Um, and you get lovely emails. My most recent one was about trying to put on my cat's harness. Uh, so if you like that kind of high octane, hard hitting email content, then just pop over to katieprince.com and get the Sunday slice and it'll come into your lovely inbox. I actually 10 out of 10 recommend the Sunday slice. Thanks. I love it. I look forward to it. It's. I love that it's like, business but not like business business <laughs> if that makes any sense it, it's business and which yogurt will I choose this week it's business and I spilt paint on my trainers this week so yeah like I said it's pretty pretty high octane stuff uh but we have fun <laughs> I love it I have fun reading it well thank you so much for being here I appreciate Yay. you Oh, thank you so much, Gemma. I'm like, my cheeks hurt. <laughs> I've had so much fun. I've been grinning our entire conversation.